All right, Glenn. Glad you're here. Thanks for uh, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate you having me. Yeah, of course. Um, you are a large man. <laughs> <laughs> Look who's talking. I know, and I I've been thinking about this since last time we got together. You said, I mean, you don't, you don't feel small very often, and you said I made you feel small. That's true. And I That's went away true. thinking, no, he made me feel small, <laughs> man. Uh, but I tell that, that story all the time yeah, too. Like yeah. uh, I'm, I, I feel uncomfortable looking <laughs> up to other men because I'm, I'm not used yeah. to it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it was pretty nice. Yeah, I have you with height, but you got me with all, this, <laughs> right. uh, all right. the muscle. Welcome to the Playing for Eternity podcast. Working together to put God first in our game. So. Uh, well, let's let's talk baseball. Actually, let's talk Glenn first. Um, take us back, kind of before the before the broken bats and the, mm-hmm. the stolen bases. Uh, you know, who's who was your greatest influence growing up? Um, well, this was an easy one for me. My parents. Um, I was thinking about this driving over. Um, a lot of people don't know I was raised as the eleventh of twelve kids, and um, we didn't have a lot growing up. We were. I, I would I would say we were very poor. But we never felt that way. Mm. We never felt that way. I mean, my parents, they, um, they were so uh, amazing that they just, you know, we didn't have a lot, but we didn't, we didn't, we didn't do without. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, we just, uh, we never felt poor. And, um, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why I think every single one of my brothers and sisters, we've all... Um, have done something really good with our lives, and we just have made a good impact. Um, but uh, my my parents, uh, they they raised us in a Christian Christian home. Uh, my dad was a hard worker. He he was a laborer mm-hmm. and uh, took odd jobs whenever he could. And uh, my my mom was a stay home stay at home mom. But you know she they they ruled with the iron fist. The, you know <laughs> with uh, I call it the 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 Bible. <laughs> they yeah. ruled that iron fist. And uh, we weren't allowed to go to parties or anything like that. We were, um, their education was extremely important. Um, and, um, you know, I don't ever remember going to spend the night at anyone else's house, but my friends were always mm. over at our house. Yeah. And uh, so it was, a, it was just a great upbringing. We were always, we were always uh, happy and joking around. And even when we get together today, it's, um, you know, it's just uh, really loud, fun, joyous homes, you yeah. know, laughter all yeah. the time. Um, and both of my parents were, were strong believers, um, and they instilled that in all of us. And um, so they were definitely, without a doubt, uh, my greatest influence yeah. growing up. Yeah. Wow, what a, what a testament to your parents. Yeah. You know, I, I think we, we look around culture and it's like, mm-hmm. man, I don't have, my kids are lacking. Yeah. And, you know, get, getting in front of them, trying to, you know, give them everything where I don't think it's, it's not always about what we have. That's but right. That, and I think you hit on that word joy. Yeah. You know, having that, having that joy in the house. And, and it's hard to explain how, you know, we didn't have a lot, but we felt like we didn't need a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's really... That was probably one of the masterpieces of my parents raising us, um, you know, because uh, it's just, you know, I, and then today I don't feel like I need a lot, you know, and I think yeah. that as, as a product of my upbringing, I think, uh, you know, I, I really feel like, I, I always say this, you know, my parents were not perfect parents, but they were perfect for me, mm. you know. And, That's a uh, great way to put yeah. it. How old do you think you were when you like, you realized that? You know, I mean, because obviously looking back now, you're a father, you can kind of understand mm-hmm. that. But how old do you think you were when you kind of, that, that 
thought dawned on you? I've always felt, I think I felt that from a pretty young age. You know, I, I grew up, well, you know, all I had to do was look around because, you know, we, we I think we moved about every two years growing up. Mm. We were in a different house and I was, I went to three or four different elementary schools, two different middle schools, another two different high schools. We were just always moving. Um, and um, all I had to do was just look around at my friends and their, you know, single mom here, um, my, my, uh, a lot of my friends that I grew up with were either, you know, have either passed away or in prison, mm, and yeah. that didn't happen to any of us. And I, I just have felt from a very young age that uh, that I felt pretty lucky to be where I was. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. That's cool. So <clears throat> it sounds like you know, grew up in a in a Jesus loving oh, yeah. home. Without so church was church a regular thing? Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. It was uh, two or three times a week. Yeah. Oh yeah. So when did you find? that relationship with God. I know growing up at home, you know, I'm, mm -hmm. I mean, I have a similar story, but I, I kind of walked away. Yeah. When, when did Glenn Braggs really, when did you feel like, Hey, I, this is my faith. I'm going to own this. Um, probably not until I was, until I was older. Like I always called myself a Christian, but it wasn't until I understood what the relationship with Christ really was. Cause I, I think I grew up in a Christian home, but I didn't really, I don't think I was ever really taught what it what it meant to have a relationship, personal relationship with mm -hmm. Christ, and I didn't get that until I think I was much older. Because I, I, um, as you said, I did I didn't walk away, but I wasn't attending church and I wasn't reading my Bible and I wasn't doing those things while I was in college or while I was in minor leagues, and uh, and even when I think I got to the Brewers, I wasn't really doing a lot of it. I would you know come home and visit my parents and go to church. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I wasn't doing those things. And then when I got to Cincinnati, um, there you know they were holding chapels every weekend, and um, and so I started attending the chapels, and um, and then I got more involved um, with starting to read my Bible again. And then it was right around that time that I met Cindy, mm -hmm. and Cindy had just started attending Hillcrest. Um, you know, with where Dudley was uh, preaching over there, and um, she, we, we together at that time started um, getting closer to Jesus. Um, during that time, I would, uh, she would show me different books to read, and and I would do the same for her. And that was really, I think, where I started to really felt feel like what it meant to have a relationship, a personal relationship. Like I used to, again, I used to always call myself a Christian. Mm -hmm. I wasn't living the Christian life. Yeah. But, um, but during that time, it was probably right around 1990, 1991, where I think uh, things changed for me. And, uh, and I really started to try to live and walk the yeah. way uh, a Christian man should. That's good. Yeah, I, I think you know a lot of people grow up in the church and they're going to say they believe in God. Right. And, but I think the the challenging thing, especially for young people in sports, we get so bombarded with so many different things. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, even the devil believes in Jesus. Right. So right. walking and owning that and right. really finding, I think you know you. You just hit on it briefly, but being connected somewhere, right? You know, somebody else you were you were with, and then the church, and really, again, God's always always moving our life. But we right. we always encourage people uh, constantly with with eternity sports. You got to be connected a little bit. True. You got to find other people that are going through that to walk through that together. Uh, so valuable, but that's that that's neat. How that kind of you know, obviously, the childhood had something to do with you eventually. Like, man, okay, I need to 
this is mine now. Right. It's not my parents' faith. Right. I'm, but I can tell you, there were many times, like even when I was in college and when I was in the minor leagues and when I was with the Brewers, there were, I mean, I could, I, the, uh, the teachings of my mom and dad as a child would always be in the back of my mm-hmm. head all the time. And so I felt like I never kind of went too far off the deep yeah. end yeah. because of that. And, um, and I can think of a few instances where uh, my upbringing probably saved me a few times. Amen to that. I, yeah, could, <laughs> I yeah. could sponsor that statement. And, um, and so I look back at that. And so I know that, you know, just the fact that I had that upbringing mm-hmm. um, was that little foundation that I needed or just that little support that you needed just to have something to kind of fall back on mm-hmm. from time to time. And, um, and so that was, I think that was extremely important, especially when I look back Mm -hmm. on, uh, some of the idiotic things, you know, that may have occurred. (laughs) I think anybody uh, (laughs) listening can, uh, can relate to that. Yeah, for sure. I think, and obviously the parents, uh, I think that, you know, we talk to people, there's coaches Mm -hmm. that have that impact and start implanting those seeds and into young people. Yeah. So, so valuable, man, Glenn, I can, I can, uh, Remember when I, I can't actually remember the first time we met, mm-hmm. but I do remember in my head because I want to tell you this story. I don't think I've shared this with you before, because um, I would love baseball growing up, and you were in the bigs when I was just you know in high school playing and, mm-hmm. and doing all that. And I had your baseball card. Did you really? Yeah. And okay. I uh, so I went back the first time we were going to meet, and I went and I found this baseball mm-hmm. card, and I had it forever sitting around. Right. And in all transparency, I uh, I went last night to try to find it again, <laughs> but it's not with all my other baseball cards. Uh-huh. I wanted to uh, I wanted to sh- I wanted to show that to you. Oh but, man, uh, I, I could I could bring you a whole box of it. Yeah, to know. no, kidding. I got it somewhere because this is from when I was a kid. Like <laughs> yeah. I remember, I knew I Do knew. Do you know which Glenn card Briggs. it is? Was it a Milwaukee card or no? It was a Reds card. Oh, okay. I want. I think it was a, a Tops. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'll find that again. Okay. And, that sounds and we'll, good. We'll, we'll put that out. But that yeah, that's great. You've always been uh, you've always been gracious. Uh, we did a, a thing for, for Shepard and our, uh, our sports ministry. You remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, let everybody know I beat Glenn in arm wrestling, <laughs> uh, but he may or may not have let, <laughs> let me win. And, uh, I gotta, you- I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you another quick story about that one. Uh, I, I played b- baseball in Japan and, um, about two years ago, they brought me back to just do a whole bunch of, uh, little, um, like events. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to, I had to work at a cafe and pour, you know, coffee and just, you know, make blended drinks and stuff. And they had me doing all these different activities. One of the activities was an arm wrestling contest. Okay. And I was like, oh, I got this. <laughs> but I didn't know that they inserted like a professional arm wrestling guy mm-hmm. in there and he smoked me. I felt, <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Oh so, man. Yeah. I didn't think there was anyone out there that could, oh, that man. could beat you. Yeah. Yeah. This guy was, he was, he was pretty good. He came okay. in like real humble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to let him yeah, like he when beat he, me. When yeah. he turned his hat around backwards, you yeah, knew you were I in knew trouble. I was in trouble. <laughs> right. right. So uh, let's talk a little, you know, faith and, and baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of shared your testimony and, and along that, but through the grind of a long season and thinking, you know, really when you started owning your faith, how did you kind of maintain that through the season and, and, keep, your, and keep your witness? And, and what were things that you, that you did? Uh, when you were playing? Um, well, I think the number one thing was prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to make sure that I was in prayer. I, let's, 
let's go back to Cincinnati because that was the time when I think I was I wasn't really praying or reading my Bible any time before that. But um, when I got to Cincinnati, that's that's when it um, became more important for me to make sure that I was in my Word and reading my Bible. And all a lot of things happened during that time that just kind of confirmed, you know my, you know, what God was doing for me in my life. Um, you know, again, I, I said that was around the time that Cindy and I met. And um, one of my, one of my teammates, um, uh, he was my roommate through college, not, uh, through the minor leagues. He had reminded me that I told him long time, I hadn't even forgot about this, but he, he said that I had told him that I pray that God would bring me a woman that could sing to me. Mm. And <laughs> did he ever? Yes. Did he and ever? Um, and so there was some confirmations, a lot of this, a lot of confirmations coming on. But uh, I think uh, it was around 1991 where I think uh, I was um, having uh, some struggles um, playing. Like I was, I was, you know, really in a slump hitting, and um, and and it was just really tough. And I almost felt like because it was 1990, I had a great season. 1991 was around the time I was trying to, you know, be in my word more, and and you know, I was thinking to myself, I wonder if it has something to do with me being in my word. <laughs> I, I really, literally thought that. I was thinking to myself, I mean, this is, it felt like, you know, I I just didn't feel like I can hit again anymore, and I didn't feel like uh, you know things were. I I was injured, and there was just a lot of bad things happening. And, um, and I literally thought to myself, I need to put the Bible away and go back to the way I, mm. I, was, I really thought that. And, um, and then um, it was just a revelation to me that, you know, God just said, just, you know, con- continue to stay in your word, and which I did, and continue to, um, to live for me, which is what I did. And I ended up turning things around that season and um, and I, I, was, I thought it was not a great thing, but it was a, a really good thing. I ended up going to Japan to play for four years after that. And, um, you know, financially, that was a really good uh, move for me. And I just felt like God was just working a lot of things out and, and helping me to see a little bit more who I was and as a as a, you know, as a person and just as a Christian man. And um, and so um, it just. That was there was just a lot of things that happened during that time that just kind of um, how they say just you know, bricks stacked on top of each mm-hmm. other that uh, kind of confirmed um, that 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 the Lord that He was the Lord of my yeah. life. I had to. I felt like literally I just had to just say I, and just forget about everything that I was trying to hold on to and just look to the Lord for that for that strength and that's, to pull me up. And, that's powerful. And. And, and I felt like he had to put me through that so that I can see how to deal with that situation going forward. And the more I release my hold on things and just grab onto his hand, yeah. the better, the, the, the more I feel like he's leading me in the direction that he wants me to yeah. go. Amen. And if I'm holding on to the reins, I'm trying to take the horse where I want it to go. If I just hold on to his hands, he leads me where he wants me to go. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, I haven't been perfect with that. But every time I've run into a struggle, I always refer back to that. And I remember what, remember, yeah. just 
let the Lord lead you. I mean, your, your testimony is so powerful, not only right. for us to hear that, but for you. Like mm -hmm. that's something you still, yes. you still draw upon. Right. Even as we just talking about, you know, hey, I had those things as, as a kid. And then, hey, I, oh, and we just hear Glenn Braggs is a, is a Christian. He's walking with the Lord now. No, there were some trials in there. Mm -hmm. Like we can glance over that. And I think people want to just, okay, I'm going to love Jesus and everything's going to be great. Right. And that's not always the case. Right. right. And even in the moment, you probably, you know, hey, I'm, I, I got to start reading my Bible. I'm in a slump, whatever, you know. <laughs> right. But that slump could be something for anybody in their life. That's right. And uh, that's to stay right. through that and to stay consistent, right. not only did that help you, kind of that foundation of your your faith because I have a I'm just thinking I have a similar thing where I really mm -hmm. had to go through some stuff mm -hmm. um, that trial brings us out and only strengthens us for the next thing that we're going to go through it's and true. God God can build on those blocks it so. is true you know that's a, you know the good word you used in there was a slump because you know we go through those slumps in our lives it could be whatever it is it could be in our marriage it could be you know in our, our job it could be whatever it is and um, it, it that one season kind of I always am able to refer back to that because you know you know the slums don't end but you know it's it's a matter of what God wants for you and so um, I've been able to use that as a catalyst to kind of keep me mm -hmm. keep me going even when things don't look yeah. like you know look good like the way I want them to yeah. look yeah, you yeah. know I have to have faith that okay God <laughs> this is what's going to be takes, you know takes yeah. faith yeah yeah so it's this is a I like this question and it just kind of dawned on me because you kind of, you found, you know, really started walking in the middle of your career. So what was that one thing, couple things that like from going from your old lifestyle, especially being in, you know, the temptations in major league sports and, mm -hmm. and the ease and, you know, financial uh, security and that type of stuff. What, when you switch, what's something you really had to fight? Like, you know, you, you really had to get through. I know we talk about the slump, but was there something in that lifestyle? You know, I think people are dealing with things in their life, you know, it's like, how am I going to get through this? Yeah. How am I going to go over that? What was that for you in that time? Um, yeah, I, I kind of use this, um, analogy a little bit when I, um, when I'm training people and they're having struggles with their diet. And a lot of times people have struggles with their diet because the way they eat is cultural and the way they, who they feel they are. And they feel like if they change their diet, they're really going to change, really changing who they are culturally, the way they were raised. And one of the hardest things I believe for me during that time was I was hanging around with a lot of people who were doing a lot of stuff that I like to do. <laughs> and so I had to make some choices, you know, am I going to continue to hang out with those guys and those girls and, um, and continue to do those things? Uh, or am I going to, you know, do what the you know, what the Lord wants me to do. And, um, and I had to make those choices. So the hardest part was, was finding new people to surround myself with. I had to literally, and it wasn't difficult because um, there's like in this field, the field of business that I am right now in, uh, in personal training, I can't tell you how many of my clients are believers that I would have never thought were believers. And so you just, believers are everywhere. So from the equipment, the equipment people at the, at the stadium mm -hmm. to the people that work there, um, to the people, um, that I would see at the, uh, that worked at the grocery stores and stuff like that. I started surrounding myself with people that were Christians. I started attending the church. And so, um, 
So it was it was a, it was something I thought was going to be a really hard for, thing for me to do, and in one way it was. But those those guys that I was hanging out with and those girls that I was hanging out with, you know, they were they were constantly nagging me, you know, because they you know, old Glenn's changed. He's mm-hmm. not the same guy anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, he's and he's he's got Jesus now. You know, those yeah. types of things. And, but what a powerful testimony yeah. too, though. Oh yeah, yeah. To, oh yeah. To, to not only hey, I'm gonna I'm saying I'm living for Jesus, right. but they start seeing that different walk well, in your life. I think once they saw that it was real, yeah, they didn't believe it in, at first. I mean, not that I was a terrible guy, but you know, it was. You know, I was it wasn't I wasn't living for Jesus, yeah. and um, and so um, once they saw that it was true, then um, you know they kind of left me alone after that. But there were a few that actually would came to me and started talking to, talking to me about you know yeah they not I think in, at first was to try to see if they can sway me uh, away, mm-hmm. and then once I started talking to them about the word and what it's done for me and. Um, and, and I, I already knew <clears throat> the Bible. I mean, I could, you know, I could quote scripture, this and that. And so, but it, it had more meaning for me. It's not testimony. It's not right. me it getting had, to see you exactly. and watch you. Yeah. They, it had, it had, had more knowledge. Meaning. Yeah. It had more meaning for me mm-hmm. and, uh, they could see that. And, no, um, not that I was able to convert any of them, but they had to acknowledge that this was real. Yeah. 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 Seeing that. I, um, I love to share this story. Uh, when I was playing overseas, especially the, the most places I went, I didn't speak the language. Mm-hmm. So it would be about a month, six weeks into wherever I went. This was a common question I got. And uh, it was, I can remember the first time we were sitting around this big table. We had the whole team, coaches, administration, wives. I mean, there, there must have been probably 20, 25 people sitting around sitting around this table, we're having like this barbecue and it's like they, they all just turned their heads to me and the guy that spoke, you know, there's like two and a half guys that spoke English turned and asked me this question. Why don't you go out and to the bars? Why don't you drink? Why aren't you trying to sleep around? Um, because most of the Americans that gone down there in that culture of least basketball we're from, that's what they saw. Mm-hmm. The Americans that came down there, the imports for for those teams, that's they chase women and right. live their live their best life. Right. And uh, so it was. It always again within a month, six weeks. It was like they realized, wait, he's not he's not doing something different. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first time it caught me off guard, but the net I started realized I started seeing this this coming. It really gave me an opportunity to share because they it wasn't me telling them. I couldn't even I can't even speak their language. Uh, but they do see that in our walk, in our life every day, the way we conduct ourselves, the things we're not doing, the things we're doing. So, so powerful. I mean, the difference from, hey, I, yeah, I love God, but are they people seeing that in my life, the fruit? Exactly. Yeah, so that's exactly. great. Exactly. So I think, uh, you know, I was, uh, one time was, uh, this was, this was a few weeks ago. Um, I was at the gym and I think I was just finishing um, with a client and I was in the, uh, the men's locker room. And a guy walks up to me and he says, you're a believer, aren't you? And I said, yeah, but I wasn't sure where he was quite going with it. And he goes, I can tell. Mm. And he just walked away. And that was confirmation. I think definitely came straight yeah. from the Lord because I was needing to hear that. Sometimes you don't know if you're doing, you know, everything you need to be doing. Yeah. You know, in the gym environment is, you know, that same like a sports environment, yeah. you know. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I've had people... 
uh, come up to me and then literally tell me that I smile too much. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> you got a I'm great like, smile. Yeah, and and I'm like, you know, life is too short not to be. Yeah. You know, but um, we really need to. You know, sometimes our our words don't speak as powerfully as our actions do. Mm-hmm. And when you have actions that are being seen, you know, we're being watched all the time. Um, you know, you, you know, you don't want to disappoint your Lord. Yeah. And, uh, so that was a confirmation for me. And when you have your actions and your words speaking together, you know, that just uh, makes it yeah. more powerful. Well, let's hit on that real quick. Cause you, you mentioned the gym. Uh, I'm sure everyone just thinks you're in there eating iron all the time <laughs> as, as big as you are. Um, God didn't bless me with those muscles, but, uh, t- tell us kind of what you're doing now. I know you have a real passion for that, helping yeah. people, uh, training people. Yeah, I've, I've always been a little bit of a gym rat and, um, I actually really didn't know that I didn't know what I was doing until about four (laughs) or five years ago. I would just go in there and try to lift as much weight as I possibly could. Um, and that's the way it was when, um, when I was coming up and playing ball. But, um, once, uh, once, once our kids got old enough, they're in college, and we had, uh, you know, Solomon is in high school. You know, I, I just told Cindy, Cindy travels all the time. My wife, Cindy, travels all the time. So um, we always had wanted to have one of us be at home while the other one was away. And so I just didn't really do a lot outside, um, you know, for, those, for a lot of those years. But now that our kids are a little bit older, I decided, you know, I wanted to pursue something that I really love, which is the health and fitness industry. Mm-hmm. So I went and got certified. And um, and so now I'm doing personal training at Gold's Gym. And uh, it's been one of the most uh, amazing uh, things that I think I have ever done. I, I used to actually think my passion was baseball, but I, I found that now my passion is, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just a health and fitness because mm-hmm. and it's not just about weightlifting it's about um, you know it's about stability it's about endurance it's about strength um, it's about power um, and it's about uh, you know inside your health you know what you're putting in your body and so I didn't you know as I said I didn't know what I was doing until I started reading these materials and started figuring out you know how amazing it, it's it, the body is amazing yeah. you know God created this amazing thing that can um, that can heal itself, that can um, adapt to different environments. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's one of the things that I use in my training. I use adaptive training. Yeah. So, um, for whatever um, your goal is, if you're trying to build strength, if you're trying to build power, speed, quickness, and agility, all of those things can be acutely uh, those acute variables for yeah. all all of those things you shared this with me before we started I think this is a great point because I think you we're talking about as a trainer it's mm-hmm. a it's a personal business you got to mm-hmm. be good with people right. um, but I think what you what you hit on was the connection mm-hmm. and I think that's important because we have a ministry where we're, where we're at Mm-hmm. Like I think people think, oh, I got to be a, I got to go to Bible college or I got to have a, a ministry and a platform. And I mean, you've, you've really kind of exemplified that, that playing for eternity is where you're at right. and it's not in baseball anymore. Right. It's in the gym every day with those people that are around you. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, I think it's yeah. a powerful one to recognize it mm-hmm. and the two to be conscious of it. Yeah. And I've had, I've had people come up to me and ask me what, you know, about my faith and you know, what church did I go to? And I've, I've had numerous of them have come to visit Shepherd just because of, you know, I've, I've recommended yeah. it and some have actually become members. So That's great. Yeah, yeah, it's been pretty awesome. Yeah, your, yeah. your, your witness is so powerful. Yeah. Very cool. You mentioned your wife a few times. I think it's important to, to bring her up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
she can obviously sing. Yeah. Because people people pay her to sing, but for people that don't know, Mm -hmm. uh, Glenn's wife is Cindy Heron. Is that her maiden name? Yeah. yeah. Braggs. Okay, you might better know her from the group uh, In Vogue. Right. So when you guys met... was she, she was singing already, and yeah, they were they were established. They and, were they were at the height of uh, yeah, what they uh, like probably right around nineteen ninety. Okay, um, it was I think it was the end of nineteen ninety season um, when we met. And um, how'd you guys meet? Okay, so you're gonna probably <laughs> hear two two stories. You'll hear her <laughs> stories and you'll hear mine. So I'm gonna tell you mine. Okay. Um, so. Uh, as I mentioned before, I, I probably, you know, I was out there doing things. Mm-hmm. I was meeting girls and I was doing things. And uh, so I had this uh, agent, his name was uh, Brian Cohen. He was one of the guys, only really the, one of the guys that I trusted in the management office where I, um, w- that I was being represented by. And uh, so he handled all of my stuff and uh, we had become pretty good friends, uh, he and his wife, Wendy. And so um, I was in Cincinnati, um, and I get a call from Brian, and he literally, he's you know says, Glenn, I just saw your wife last night. That's those were the words that he told me. And I said, you know, I used to call him BC. I said, BC, what are you talking about? <laughs> so he said, now, Wendy and I went to the Invoke concert last night, and um, he didn't even know her name. He said, she's the tall one <laughs> in the group. And I was like, uh, and he goes, I'm gonna introduce you guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you guys to meet. And I was like, okay, whatever, Brian. So um, a few weeks later, we're in L.A. Uh, to play the Dodgers, and uh, Brian and I go out to get some, uh, some lunch, and I don't know if he planned this out or not, but <laughs> he, we happened to be going to lunch about a few blocks from where Cindy's management office was, and uh, so after we have lunch, he goes, Glenn, we ought to stop by her, her management office. And I said, Brian, you know, that's, that's not the way I operate. She comes to me. I don't go to her. <laughs> um, and so he somehow talked me into going over there. And so we walk into the office, and the secretary was there. Uh, managed, management's na- manager's name was David Lombard. And uh, he and I had since become pretty good friends. But at the time... Uh, when I met him, he was kind of blowing me off, and I could tell he was like, "Yeah, get in line. There's yeah. like a list of guys <laughs> who are coming here to visit to see Cindy, right?" And so um, while Brian was talking to David, I was uh, having a conversation with the secretary, and I later found out that um, the secretary had called Cindy and said, "Hey, I think he's a nice guy." <laughs> but um, so then that was that was that, and then I got a call from Brian telling me that her management office was requesting a picture from me to send to her. And this was before social media. Mm-hmm. So this was before like even like cell phones. Like I think we had the big brick cell phones at that time. Mm-hmm. So well, you weren't gonna be able to like email, you know, send a yeah. picture. Yeah. And so they were requesting a picture and I think my my uh, my exact phrase was over my dead body. Am I gonna send her a picture <laughs> of me? Right? She wants to know who I am. She can look on a TV, right? Yeah. So um, so then I was like, Brian, that's the end of it. I'm, I'm, I'm done. So, um, about a week or two later, I got a card in the mail and it was from her. It was from Cindy. And she just, uh, she just said, you know, that's just my management. I apologize to my management office looking out for me. And she put her phone number and said, give me a call. So we talked on the phone a few times and, uh, she was in San, she was from San Francisco and they were there during the off season. Um, they were going to be, they were recording their next album. 
and I had a sister that lived in San Francisco. So Chris Bazio, who was my teammate, was getting married in SAC. And so I went. I was going to go to his wedding. I was going to come visit my sister in San Francisco. Then Cindy and I were going to meet. And so um, when I finally get to San Francisco, I'm at my sister's um, apartment. And uh, Cindy calls me there. And she goes, what are you doing? And I said, um, I'm watching the Bulls on TV, you know, the Michael Jordan. That uh-huh. was like, you know, musty TV <laughs> back then. And uh, so I'm watching the Bulls on TV, and she goes, you want me to call you back later? And I said, yeah, sure, call me back later. And then I hung up the phone. And then right when I hung up the phone, I said, you idiot, you better (laughs) pick the phone up and call her back. Pick the phone up and call her back. So I did. And uh, so Good choice. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we decided to meet that night. And so I had this already preconceived image of who mm-hmm. she was and how mm-hmm. arrogant and the whole bit was and she had the same preconceived <laughs> thing about me and so when we I, we met at the San Francisco Hilton um, and we went up there and we just we, we met talked we had something to eat and I was expecting not to be there very long and we ended up being there about four hours wow. talking so um, after about after the probably the first 15 or 20 minutes I realized you know she wasn't the person that I thought she was and that um, that she was pretty cool, and cool. Uh, so. And how long you guys been married now? We've been married, so so I, I got to finish the story. Okay. So we so we actually um, we weren't sure where we when we were going to be able to see each other again after that because they were getting ready to go on tour, and then I went back down south to uh, San Bernardino with my family, and then she came in the next weekend, and uh, we met, and then so. We got really tight after that, and then so we ended up getting engaged six months later, wow. and we got married six months after that. So wow. we've been married twenty six years. Twenty six yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. And so met and married within a year. Yeah, that's my wife and I story. Too. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We just, I guess you just know when you, you know when you know you, you know. know you know. Yeah, yeah. man, move fast. <clears throat> so uh, four kids. Yes. 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 Okay. Uh, oldest is Donovan, like your son. Yeah. Uh, um, 25, and then Jordan is 21, just turned 21, and Natalia is 19, gonna be 20 in August, and Solomon is 14. Okay. Yeah. Still, still got some kids at home. Uh-huh. So give us. Some. They're all still at home. <laughs> They're not going anywhere. I can They're promise you that. Yeah. Uh, he made it too comfortable for him over there. <laughs> I at, guess. At so. the Bragg household. Okay, Glenn. I want to dive a little deeper, uh, and not into you, but into who supported you. You know, I think we, we look at athletes and it's, again, we just look at that athlete. Who was, uh, who was it in your life that really came alongside you and kind of discipled you and helped you get to that place? I know you mentioned chapel. Was there somebody somebody during that time that was really kind of helping, guiding, leading you? Well, yeah. Um, during that time, um, Dudley was very instrumental. Um, he basically... Um, and he, he, he'll tell a story about, um, I had just, I think I'd come into town to play, um, um, the Reds, I mean, to, to play the Dodgers and, um, he and I and Cindy met at Cindy's little apartment and he, uh, basically walked me through, you know, you know, if Jesus is the Lord of your life and, you know, basically, um, witnessed to me at that point and, so he's he's just been very instrumental at that point. I mean, I had a lot of uh, um, assistance, 
you know, growing up with my parents, um, just being, you know, the great parents that they were. But I think what kind of got me there was, you know, obviously meeting Cindy and her walk at the time and, and then meeting Dudley. And Dudley is like a guy that just, you know, he just, um, you know, Jesus is just pouring out of him all the time. And, um, and, and so he was very instrumental. And then, you know, starting the 10, Hillcrest way back when, when there was only, you know, 300 people there. And, um, and so, yeah, he was definitely a a big part of me being able to really find who I was as a Christian man and having that good example, uh, through him, uh, of what I needed to be. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. What about anybody in the locker room during those times? I mean, what about, uh, playing in Japan? You know, you're kind of out of your element over there and you know, there was, you know, there was a guy, um, he actually used to be a member of our church. Uh, he lives out in um, Dana Point now, uh, goes to Greg Laurie's church now, um, uh, Mark for Julian. I don't know if you know that mm-hmm. name, but he was a member at our church a long time. And wow, man, during, during the, I was going through a really huge transition when I went from to play here in the U.S. to go to Japan. And um, man, he he was just amazing. He was sending me scriptures and Back then, it was all facts. So he <laughs> you're would, getting facts. Yes, he would fax me uh, scriptures, and then from time to time, we would get on the phone and um, and and we would talk. And then when I'd come in the off season, we'd have Bible studies at his house. And uh, so, yeah, he was he was, uh, and and even today, he's still still instrumental, uh, even though they live down down south, but. Uh, he was he's uh, was really amazing during that time because it was it was a it was a struggle being I had we Cindy and I had just gotten married mm-hmm. and three months later I was off to Japan and she was going to be touring with Luther Vandross and um, and then during that time she got pregnant and uh, so it was just a lot of stuff going on and um, I was uh, you know thousands of miles away from home and from her and. Um, and so it was just, I had a few people, Dudley and Mark, who were kind of helping me to stay, uh, you know, grounded. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Cause I know going overseas can be, can yes. be really challenging yeah. without the internet and all that type of Th- stuff. There was none of that. I can remember. There was none uh, of that. So this is going to be 99, 2000 when I, when I got out of school and was over overseas and the internet had just come out and mm-hmm. they had like, it was dial up, mm-hmm. but I remember just listening to, they had. Some you could find some pastors. Rabbi Zacharias was mm-hmm. one I used to just listen to and, and online. It really was nice because I couldn't talk and the language right. and barrier and stuff. But while well, at least I you had that, powerful. I had yeah. I literally had to listen to um, uh, MacArthur, mm-hmm. um, John MacArthur's uh, cassette tapes. Wow. Yeah. Well, so, I'm, I'm jealous now. I mean, yeah. with, with social media and Netflix, mm-hmm. so. I should have been the one inventing Netflix. I used to have my mom record stuff on VHS, uh-huh. like shows that I used to like to watch, and she would she would mail them down. Yep, same same here. Man, same that, here. Man. Yeah. They don't know the struggle. That's man. right, man. <laughs> they don't know <laughs> the struggle. Like I couldn't I could only make phone calls at certain times and for a certain length of time because it was so expensive. But mm. you know, even during that time our our you know, our phone bill was over a thousand dollars. So it was like uh, you know, now you can just send a text yeah. or you can, you for know. free. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. So, uh, you know, you're a world series champion mm-hmm. with the reds. Yeah. Uh, I see you got your ring. Mm-hmm. Let us see that bad boy there. Yep. Yeah. You don't get to see 
Don't get to see that every you day. Take it off. You weren't, yeah, you, I know. I don't you, know what you, size finger you have. No, well, that's, that's uh, you got some, fourteen and a half right whoa, there. Fourteen. All right, so it fits. It fits. Thanks, Glenn. That's a nice. <laughs> that's a nice gift you brought me. So uh, I've held a an MLB ring and I've held a basketball championship ring. Mm-hmm. So I need to find a football player. I've yeah, never, I've never held a yeah held a football ring before. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and then I don't think people know this, or if they're listening in America, but you you are a, a big deal in in Japan. I oh, mean, they, yeah. they still invite you. They still invite you back. Oh, I, yeah. I'll see stuff post online all the time, and yeah. and they they know who you are. How was what was that like? I mean, just the being the kind of that a much bigger star in a in in Japan. It was it was uh, it was great. I mean, when I um, after I got acclimated to it, it was it was great. I mean, I got to be honest, coming from the U.S. and going over to Japan to play, I was pretty cocky thinking I was just going to just light the place up. Mm. And and I struggled for about the first two months there. Again, God's showing me, <laughs> you know, settle down, young man. Um, and um, so I actually, um, I, I think the the managers were like worried that they might have signed the wrong guy. Mm. I, was, I think, you know, spring training over there is two months. So you have a month of spring training in Okinawa, then you come back to the mainland, and you have another month of spring training. So those first two months, I think I batted about 120. Yikes. And uh, I did hit a home run in my first at bat, and it was all downhill from there. (laughs) But, um, you know, but then after that, I started to get acclimated. There was just some adjustments that needed to be made, and and so it was a lot of fun. and And, you know, playing there... The games are like a college football atmosphere. You know, they're they're chanting your name and they're mm-hmm. beating drums and it's like a it's just a rah rah type of thing. And so it's really was a lot of fun. And we traveled by train everywhere we went. So everywhere I everywhere I go, I'm like you know two feet taller <laughs> than everybody else, and they, they want to put their hands up next to mine to yeah. see how big my hands are and stuff. And um, so you, you kind of do feel a little bit like a rock star over there. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I just literally, I mean, still today. They still feature me in video games over there. I just got um, another one that they just they're gonna start up next year that they're gonna be featuring me in a video game. So that's cool. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. lifelike character. Yeah, that, that's it's that's cool. neat. Um, I know you were telling me about the traveling, staying in beds. They had to put extra stuff on your yeah <laughs> extended yeah, on your beds. Yeah, it was the beds were too short, the desks were too small. Um, you know, every I was hitting my head everywhere. It was just like a, I mean. <laughs> It was, but I mean, when you look back on it, you can laugh about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, God, God puts you in a lot of different situations for a lot of different reasons. And, um, and I, I just, everything we go through in our lives, I think is meant to help us to be able to get through other situations. And it was a struggle. And there were times when I was just like, I was questioning whether I should be there or not, but, um, it ended up being such a, a great experience for me. I was there four years and. Um, met a lot of really good friends and even some believers over there, which yeah. is not something that uh, um, that is really pushed over there in Japan very much. And uh, there's not really a lot of belief in uh, God there, but um, I've met some believers over there that were really yeah. great. And um, some some guys from the, the military base that were nearby that would help us out with, uh, you know, meals and stuff like that, which cool. was really great. That's yeah, cool. so it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, you were eating sushi before sushi was cool. Oh, I, I've always loved sushi. I went yeah. to the University of Hawaii, so yeah, yeah I I love 
you know, sushi even before I got yeah. there. But Japanese, real Japanese sushi is a little bit different than Japanese sushi here in yeah, America. I bet. I bet. But uh, but it was uh, fantastic. They would laugh at me because I like to put wasabi and soy sauce and dip. But uh -huh. they were like, that is not the way you're supposed to do it. <laughs> but so, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so one thing you're known for. Is breaking bats. Mm -hmm. Now I know the one video. You, you know, guys break their bats over their knees, and I think you've done that too. Yeah, I have. yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. um, which looking at you is it's like the rest of us breaking a breaking a twig. But you also broke a bat on your backswing. I did. That and that that's yeah. that's amazing. You ever you, that ever happened in Japan too? Actually, no. Um, it never did happen in Japan. The bats in Japan were a little bit different, the wood there. Mm. Um, I can't even pronounce the name, but there was a certain type of wood that they used. Like, I could literally use this bat for at-bat after at-bat. I mean, it was, I could use it for 30 at-bats, the thing wouldn't break. And, What's a bat um, in the major leagues? I, mine usually would last a few games. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, I, would, I went through a lot of bats in, uh, in, the, in the U.S. But when I was in Milwaukee, I had I'd done it a few times. And I did it a few times in Cincinnati. But what made that one so, you know, everybody was so bl blown away by it is because if you watch the video, uh, Tim McCarver and Jack Buck were, um, was it Jack Buck? <laughs> Tim McCarver and Jack Buck, they were both uh, talking about how big and strong I was as I was walking to the plate. Yeah. And then the very first swing I take, I snapped the bat. And that was almost <laughs> like they were setting it up. Yeah. Uh, so, and it was during the World Series, so yeah, everybody was watching, watching, so, yeah, yeah so, you are, man, you know. it's a, it's a video game, yeah, you're out there snapping, yeah. snapping bats, right, uh, right. no, that's cool, they, they got to see that, it, it really, it really is impressive, so something we like to do is called rapid fire, mm -hmm. all right, so turn your brain off, we're just going to ask you some questions, mm -hmm. and, uh, let's get to know Glenn Braggs a little bit, uh, Milwaukee or Cincinnati? I'm going to upset some people, but Cincinnati. Okay. Uh, favorite city in Japan? Yokohama. Yeah. Why? Why? Um, I visited, we, we, when we played in Japan, we literally played all over the whole country. So we would, sometimes we'd play home games in Kyushu. Sometimes we'd play home games in, down in the south of Japan. And, um, and so every city, I got a chance to visit all the cities and, and Yokohama was just the most, it was the, it's called the city on the bay mm. and it was just the, the most beautiful place to be. And, um, I just felt comfortable there. I'm so noticing there. something, Hawaii, Southern California, hey, hey. you know, I don't know how you lived in Cincinnati or, <laughs> right. or, or <laughs> Milwaukee. Right. Well, Mil well, Cincinnati <laughs> was good. Milwaukee yeah. was a little bit more tough. Okay. A little tough. Yeah. Uh, most memorable home run. Probably my uh, first major league home run. Um, I hit a home run off of Charlie Huff, a knuckleballer, mm -hmm. and then I ended up hitting a second home run that day. But um, the you know the one that I think you know a lot of people don't even know this. I hit the farthest home run ever in when I was in uh, I was playing rookie ball in uh, Paintsville, Kentucky, and people still talk about this home run. It's probably the farthest one I ever hit in my life. Yeah. But, um, they didn't have but, trackers back then. No, they did you, not. How far they you did think not. you hit this thing? They did not. But um, probably my first major league home run, um, and then I've had some pretty big shots that I hit in uh, in, Jap in Japan mm -hmm. too. So, okay. Yeah. All right. This question's not going to be as friendly, but uh, worst strikeout. <laughs> oh, jeez. Come on. Man. If, if you hit home runs, I know there's some uh, strikeouts going on. You know, as a baseball player, we don't remember the strikeouts. <laughs> um. That one, I, I mean, any time I struck out, I didn't like it. Yeah. I, did, I don't have one in mind that was it like bigger out. than the other. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. We'll let we'll let it slide. Yeah. That one was 
Somebody yeah. do some research for us and find right, them. right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they can find a lot of them. Yeah. Okay. Your uh, your favorite all time baseball player? Uh, oh well, um, with George Foster who was my favorite player. So I it was I got to, so I started my career in Milwaukee and then I got traded to the Reds. I was like stoked and because that's where my favorite player mm. played. Um, I had a few. I mean uh, Willie McCovey and uh, you know Willie Mays. Those guys were. Um, were my idols too, but I, for some reason George Foster was my favorite player. I just kind of connected with him, and yeah. then um, got a chance to play in Cincinnati and got the chance to wear his uh, jersey uniform. No, wow. so it's cool. pretty cool. That's really yeah. neat. That's really neat. Uh, favorite all-time teammate? Who? Um, let me just think. You know, probably. Um, Probably Eric Davis. Yeah, probably Eric Davis. I mean, Eric was, was they used to call him Mr. You know, Mr. Red. Mm-hmm. But he was he was everything to everybody, man. He was uh, you know, great player, great leader, uh, funny guy off the, you know, you know, in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just he was just one of my uh, one of the, one of my favorite players I ever watched play. He was so fast, he could yeah. do a lot of things, he could hit home runs, he can steal bases, throw guys out. Um, so probably my favorite player to play that's with. That's cool, yeah. yeah. Maybe was, he was fun to watch. Yeah, yeah I, re- I remember. 44, right? Yep, yep. that's right. Um, I, th- I think this is fascinating. I mean, Eric Davis a little bit. He's not probably as big as you. He hit home runs. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, just, you stole bases, too. I did, yeah. You know, stealing bases and hitting home runs is not something yeah. you, you, you kind of get together in a, in a package. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, at the a lot of people don't know this, but I, when I got, I was like, um, when I got called up to the big leagues, I was probably, I was, you know, had been top minor league player, you know, throughout my whole uh, minor league career. Milwaukee had the number one farm system at that time, mm-hmm. and I was a top prospect in their farm system. And so, um, you know, I could, uh, you know, basically I had what they call five-tool player. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I prided myself on being able to do it all, hit for average, hit for, you know, yeah. power, be able to play defense and, you know, Impressive. score bases. Yeah. yeah. I know you robbed a few home runs in your day. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, uh, the the biggest one, probably my the biggest play ever in my career was the home run I took from Carmelo Martinez in the uh, in the National League Championship Series, which put us into the World Series. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, uh, favorite Vogue song. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, Didn't think I was going to ask you about that, huh? Can I say I don't know the names of any other song? No, I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You can uh, sing it for us. Uh, no, I will not do that. <laughs> don't let go is probably one of my favorite, but uh, "Free Your Mind" and "Never," you know, "Never Gonna Get It" and "Hold On." All of those are all yeah, great songs. Those are classics. Well. Yeah. Uh, what, what would be Cindy's favorite song? Ooh, uh, probably, pro- probably "Hold On." Probably "Hold On." "Hold On" was their number one, number mm-hmm. one hit of all time, and I think she was the lead on that song. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, how much can you bench press right now? Oh, wow. Probably not that much. I have a bad shoulder right now. But um, I was yesterday I was doing some decline, and I just only went up to around 225, and I did it about 15 times. So if you... If You're you, ready for the NFL combine. So if you, if, you, okay, well, if, you, if you do that out for, like, max, for one rep max, that probably equals to probably somewhere, somewhere around 300. What's the most you ever... You ever 350 was one at one time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's your favorite baseball team to follow today? Probably the Reds. 
Probably the Reds. I mean, I don't like any other teams in the league. I don't even <laughs> like that. Like, anytime someone wears a Dodger jersey or hat in the gym, I'm like getting on their case all the time. Yeah. It's tough when you live in L.A. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, they're, and they've been good. Right. Uh, who's your favorite player to watch these days? Um, let's see. Probably. That's a good question. Let me think about this for a minute. Um. Probably, probably Nolan Arenado. Um, I think he's with the Rockies. Yeah, okay. he's short uh, shortstop, third baseman. The guy is freaking phenomenal, mm-hmm. man. Um, he hits for power and just cranks it out there and just plays defense like you wouldn't believe. So probably one of my favorite yeah. players to watch today. Okay, yeah. cool. All right, as we kind of wrap up, I mean, just being uh, obviously in the limelight, a professional mm-hmm. athlete, you know, married to to a you know world class singer. Mm-hmm. What would you, uh, just as a father, athlete, coach, what, what would you tell people listening? I mean, just, just about how you connect your faith uh, to your game and your life and, and all that you do. What, what, would you, what would one thing you want to leave them with? <sighs> um, I think uh, you, if, there's, if, there's, if there's one thing that I think I've learned is to, to not try to control things so much myself and um i think as men generally we're you know we're taskmasters we're problem solvers and we just feel like we want to do things all on our own power and our own strength and i think that's been the biggest struggle for me is to try to be able to let go and let god do the work that he um that he needs to be so i think as far as that not that i've done this in the past a lot but i think Currently, where I'm at right now with my walk is just trying to let God just and Jesus just be um, the leader in my life, mm-hmm. so that I can be the leader that I can be for my family and in turn where I work. That's good. That's yeah. good. I think uh, here is a great story in the Bible. In fact, it's the only miracle listed in all four Gospels is the uh, when Jesus feeds the five thousand, mm-hmm. and it is a young boy that gives the the loaves and the fish mm-hmm. and he's it's just a small lunch for a boy and it turns out to feed five ten thousand people mm-hmm. because he put it in jesus's hands mm-hmm. and uh, i think we forget about that in that right. story that boy and how powerful you know just to, to give that up and, and to be obedient it's and true. faithful yeah that's yeah a, that's that's the hard that's the hard i think it's hard for us men to do that because uh you know we feel like we have the power and the strength in our in our own will to do it ourselves and I'm finding the more I let go, the the, the more things you know are they go a little smoother. Yeah, that's a good you that's know. a good word. We all yeah. we all need to hear that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, before you go, yeah, we're asking our guests to uh, to turn us on to another professional athlete, yeah. whether current or past, uh, right. someone that's living for the Lord that you think would just would have a have a good word to to, to share with all our listeners. Yeah. So a guy that I was thinking of is um I, I didn't play with this guy, but um every year I go back and do uh, something called Reds Fantasy Camp. And um so they bring back former pros that were that are with the Reds. Um usually typically about twenty four of us come back. And we, we end up being the coaches for 12 different teams. Uh, they split us in two, two coaches per team. And uh, this camp, uh, 156 guys come to this camp to be part of this, uh, this, mm-hmm. um, this spring, kind of a 
what they call a fantasy camp. And uh, this player, Eddie Tobinsey, he was uh, he was a uh, catcher for the Reds. Okay. Um, I think from the '90s until the 2000s, and he and I have really connected a lot. And he is a very strong believer. Um, I think you, I think you'd love talking with him okay. um, and, and having him share his faith. Uh, he's uh, he shared that with me as well, and uh, so I think he'd be a great. I think the listeners would love to hear from All right. him. All and, right, and Eddie. I think and I think he'd be willing to do it too. Great. All yeah. right, Eddie, we're we're coming for you. Okay. I think I need to come to fantasy camp. Man, you would you <laughs> it's, would. It's, it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, do you know what it's all about? No, I think so. go ahead. So the fantasy camp is. So Has so, Well, it's, so you have to be at least thirty, and then you can be any. You can go all the way up to. I had a guy on my team that was in his seventies. Wow. And um, and so these guys, they pay to come to this camp, and they literally get treated like major league players. Okay. So we we evaluate them on day one. We have a draft, so we have a number one, number two, number three draft pick on our team. Um, so these guys get drafted to our team. And then they play. Uh, they play double headers for four or five straight days. Fine. And then there, then there's a tournament at the end. Okay. Um, and then the, there's my first year there. My team won the championship. So, um, you know, I had that. They they give out the MVP award. They give out the, cool. the Cy Young award. They give out the most uh, impressive defensive player. Are other teams um, around so the league doing this? All pretty much all the teams do it. But the Reds and the Yankees are the teams that have. Probably the best camps, okay. and uh, like I said, two years ago we had 156 guys at this camp, wow. and last year I think there was around 144 guys. So, okay. um, and uh, it's a week of playing baseball. Like they they have their complete Reds uniform with their name on the back, and then it gets ironed and pressed and put in their locker to every nice. single day. They have nice. full training room facilities uh, with trainers t- taping them up and massaging them and everything so they get treated like a major leaguer for one week <laughs> too bad all that so. stuff doesn't help you help you hit a 90 mile that's <laughs> true <laughs> it's true but they play against each other yeah, so yeah, i mean good. it's it's yeah. really how a many, lot of how fun. many people are getting pelted upside the head <laughs> every year every year we have a few injuries every year we have a few hammies injuries. and uh, yeah hit by we, pitch. we had a we had a torn achilles last year oh, so yeah yeah. Man, Glenn, thanks for being on the show, man. Thank you for having Always, me. Always, yeah. Appreciate it. Lessons to you. You All as right. well. Great. Thanks for listening. To find out more about Eternity Sports or to join the challenge of putting God first in your game, visit us at EternitySports.com.